Hi, I'm Lesha Holzaffel, and you're listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, a podcast for moms who are ready to lose the weight they want without gaining it back by learning the holistic approach to nutrition and how our brains determine our long-term success. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Today we have Kelly from the Kelly Kitchen. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So before we get started, can you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your story and how you started on a keto journey? Absolutely. It's, it's one of my favorite stories. Um, so my name is Kelly Logston and I created and run a food blog and website uh, called thekellykitchen.com and all of my social media is around thekellykitchen.com and I started on this keto slash low carb journey about three and a half years ago, but my health journey has been lifelong. Um, I grew up in the 70s and 80s when we were bombarded by the fitness and diet industry. It was really a perfect storm of fast food and convenience and processed everything but coupled with uh, the workout culture, the diet culture, and every fad diet you could possibly imagine. And growing up, I live in Southern California. I was born and raised here. And and our family really always tried to be healthy. Um, We were incredibly athletic. I played volleyball, you know, from probably about the age of 10, um, all through college. I was an intercollegiate scholarship athlete and I played volleyball at the University of San Diego and and all the while always going to the gym always exercising and always trying to be healthy um, but we always in our family were were trying to follow the fad diets and so everything in our house was pretty much flavorless and fat free um, everything at the you know for decades was all about cutting the fat and counting calories, and so it was decades of roller coaster dieting. And I I, I don't think that I would ever care, categorize myself as obese or overweight, but I really I roller coastered sometimes twenty pounds, sometimes forty pounds, up and down, and it just was always a struggle. Um, so it was more from a vanity side that I um, started this journey. But then as I grew older and the stressors of life came in and I um, got married and had children, I started having gut issues along with my roller coaster dieting. And while I tried to get healthier and get better from my gut issues, I mean, my number one thing was to really follow doctor's orders, which was eat less and exercise more. So eating less and exercise more has been the mantra that we have all heard. And we, quite frankly, still hear all about calorie counting, but that never worked for me. And I always felt like such a failure. And, you know, gosh knows I was trying, I was really trying, but Um, it wasn't working. So well into my thirties, um, I was married. I had two children. The stressors of life hit me. 
and I got sick. Um, I had some pretty severe gut issues, gut and stomach issues. Um, for almost 10 years, I suffered from diverticulitis. And again, no doctors could really tell me what to eat and what not to eat. Um, and all the things that they were telling me to eat, I was like, um, those don't seem like healthy things, you know, white bread and potatoes and um, anything that was white. Um, Is that what they were telling you to eat at that time? Right. So when you have an infection, they tell you to eat everything white to slow everything down in your system. Okay. And then when everything gets better, they tell you to eat tons of vegetables and tons of fiber. But you never really know when you're better and not better. So it was just a, it was a juggling act that was handed to me to figure out. And there was no clear direction on, on what to eat and what not to eat. And it, it, um, it escalated to having to have surgery and have part of my colon removed. And, um, and that was quite an ordeal. I don't recommend uh, going through that. It was incredibly painful um, and incredibly expensive. And um, you know, after that ordeal was over, the health issues didn't stop because again, the doctors couldn't tell me what to eat and what not to eat. So I really, at that point decided, three and a half years ago to take matters into my own hands. And that was, I, I found a book that talked about fasting and intermittent fasting. And it was, it's called The Obesity Code by Jason Fung. Yeah. And true. so all of my life, you know, the doctors were trying to tell me what to eat, but couldn't figure out what to tell me to eat. Uh, and then I come across this doctor, Jason Fung, that tells me not to eat anything. And I was like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> Fasting and skipping meals? And what does that all mean? And I knew that a lot of the infections that I was having in my gut were fueled by sugar and fueled by carbs. And I thought to myself, well, if I cut out all the sugar and reduce my eating window, maybe that could sort of help. And so my journey actually started less with keto and low carb and more just about fasting. I got a really good rhythm with that. And I realized like, oh, I'm not going to starve if I don't eat breakfast. And if I have a really wonderful dinner that's filling and satisfying, I'm actually not hungry first thing in the morning. And I can push my first meal a little bit later. So that's really how my journey started. But the infections, the, um, I had chronic yeast infections um, and chronic bladder infections. And I just, I never could really get a handle on those sorts of infections. Even though my colon was healing, I figured I'd take it to the next level. From fasting, then I dove headfirst into keto and low carb. And I'm, I'm happy to announce that I have not been on antibiotics in three years, maybe a little bit more than three years. Um, I've only been sick one time in three years and I, I've never been able to maintain my weight effortlessly um, in three years. It has maintained within like a four pound range. Um, and I never feel deprived. I never feel like I'm missing out on anything um, because I have arranged my diet and my kitchen and my cooking 
around being able to eat this way without feeling like I am deprived in any way, shape or form. And that's really how the Kelly Kitchen started was, well, if I'm doing this and I'm finding success and I'm, you know, I might be missing pizza or I might be missing chips or whatever, how can I recreate those meals for me and for my family so that it's not a lot of work, um, it fits into a new routine, um, everybody enjoys it, and, um, and, I enjoy, and I enjoy it too. And, and by the way, perfectly healthy and maintaining weight. So that's really, you know, in kind of a nutshell, my, my story. Wow, that's such a journey. And I totally can relate to you with the gut issues. I'm experiencing the same thing myself where like I'm having gut issues, but I have no idea what exactly it is. Cause with the gut, it's kind of hard. It's like, you can't see it. So you really don't know what's going on in there. You don't know if it's getting better or worse. And it's like paying for testing every month can get super expensive. So I'm trying to find, I was like, you know, what do I do? How do I kind of tweak my keto diet to help with the gut, like eliminating dairies and really like watching the sweeteners and stuff. But it's like, when you find, sometimes you just have to experiment yourself because sometimes there's just no answers and everybody right. has their own journey and you have to find what works for you. And what I really want to dive into is the whole, like making keto work for you and your family how you do that, because it seems like you have found a way to make it easy. I feel like a lot of us moms, when we think of keto, we think like, oh, we have to make all these meals and it's so much work and it's so much cooking required. And it's like, well, if it's so much cooking required, what did you eat before keto? Like, were you like eating out all the time? Because it's the same amount of cooking. So right. Like, honestly, it just like baffles me when I hear that. So the first thing I want to ask you is like, you're obviously a busy mom. You have your own business. You have kids. How do you make time to meal prep with as a busy mom? Right. So um, there are different levels of, of um, where people are at in their capabilities, in their likes and dislikes. Um, and in their skill levels. So I always, I always first try to say, there is zero judgment here. We are gonna meet you where you are. You know, if, if somebody told me that every single meal that I made had to be farm raised, grass fed, organic, and I had to, you know, roast my, I had to raise my own chickens in the backyard, and then I had to pluck them and roast them over a rotisserie, all by myself, I mean, I wouldn't do that. Um, if realistic. You, yeah, let's be realistic here. Yeah. You know, I, I have a thing about mayonnaise. It's like, I eat mayonnaise. I know how to make mayonnaise from scratch. Um, but, you know, first, people have budgets. You know, so if store-bought mayonnaise is all that works for you and it's the easiest or it's on sale or it's what everybody likes in your family, then fine. Eat that store-bought mayonnaise. When you get settled with that, let's get to the next level and pick a better brand. Let's pick a, bre a better uh, quality ingredients. Right. And then when you have time, hey, whip up your own batch of mayonnaise. So that's the first thing is that there's no judgment. 
Start where you're at. Don't feel like you have to be perfect at this. If a Costco rotisserie chicken is going to be the best for your budget and easiest for you, or heck, go to a, you know, if there's a fast food restaurant that has rotisserie chicken that you can buy ready-made or the supermarket, then do that. I happen, you know, that's how I started. I would just buy a rotisserie chicken and then I would do stuff with that rotisserie chicken. Um, and then I got, then my next level was I bought an organic rotisserie chicken. Um, and it was, you know, 12 or $14 and it was, you know, instead of being $5. So I, you know, I took the leap and I was like, okay, I can get the better chicken. Now I do my own rotisserie chicken in my instant pot. And I do about five pounds of rotisserie chicken every week. I set it and forget it. It's like one of those old infomercials. Um, and and I have that ready for me and I'll make some of it into a chicken salad and I'll save some of it for a, a casserole for dinner and I'll put some of it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer. And I have this sort of routine. So I think the first thing is like, you don't have to be perfect in how you do this keto journey. You know, there's a lot of keto police out there and a lot of people that, you know, will wag their fingers even to me where I, you know, I've spoken on, on panels at low carb conferences and I have people wagging their fingers at me in Facebook groups, like you shouldn't be eating carrots. And I'm like, look, <laughs> carrots are not Doritos. Carrots right. are not ding-dongs. They are, you know, technically they are higher carb, but if they fit into my life and they work for me, then I, it's gonna, it, it, I can make it fit into, and by the way, you can get into ketosis by fasting and eating carrots as well. Yeah, so, I think there's a confusion all the time between nutritional ketosis and the keto diet, and those are two different things. Mm -hmm. Nutritional ketosis is a metabolic state, and you can achieve that every body has their different carb threshold. So you mm -hmm. might be able to eat carrots, but because like you work out or you're fasting or whatever, you're still in ketosis, whereas someone else that's sedentary and is like insulin resistant might not be able to eat one carrot. But it's funny that you mentioned the keto police because it's like, I find myself as a nutritionist, it's hard for me to like see all the things that people eat, which not carrots, like I'm totally cool with carrots. It's the keto junk food and all the processed right. food. And it's hard for me to like, be like, oh my God, why are you eating that? But I've learned that like, it's not your place, Sasha, unless they ask you for your advice, like keep your mouth shut. Like, and it took me a while to learn that. Cause when I started this, I was, I was like, I just wanted to share everything and be like clean keto. And that's what I'm about. But then it's like, you have to be careful with that because it's like, again, when you're starting out, it's just like, do the best you can and then improve. Because I feel like people think that they have to go all out and they have to buy the almond flowers and the coconut flowers and, and all these ingredients that are, are, they are expensive. So they get overwhelmed. So they do it for a week. They can't afford it and they just give up. Right. So totally agree a hundred percent with you. So it's just starting from where you are at right now, trying to repurpose things. Now, the question I have is like, okay, you have kids. Do your kids love the food that you make? How do you deal with picky eaters? How do you deal with making things that they'll actually eat and enjoy? 
It's a great question because actually my kids are older now. They are teenagers and, and one is in college and one is, is just getting ready to go off to college. And, um, you know, I was pretty much like every other mom for most of their childhood, I was a short order cook. And, you know, it was like, grab the chicken nuggets, grab the frozen pizza, grab the waffles, um, you know, and everything was, um, you know, if somebody didn't feel like eating that, then I would be like, oh, well, I can be, you know, Susie Homemaker and I can whip up whatever you feel like it. And, and so I, I, I am sympathetic to moms that are going through that. Um, and I do have it much easier now because my children are older and they have a much uh, larger palette for many different things. If I could do it all over again, or if I could speak to myself, you know, 15 years ago, I would say that we're serving one thing for dinner and we will make that one thing work for all of us. So for instance, when I'm serving tacos, by the way, my children are not keto. My children are not low carb. My children are teenagers and they, I let them do what they are going to do. But that doesn't mean that I have to be making a bazillion things. It doesn't mean that I have to be buying junk food at the supermarket. When I make tacos for our family and I have, you know, eight different variations of tacos, whether it's Mexican tacos or Asian tacos or, you know, whatever, cheeseburger tacos, um, I buy the low carb version tortillas. Mission brand, I think they're two grams net carb or three gram net carb. Um, and I offer that for them to be able to have with their tacos. Um, and that's been a good, it's been a good bridge for all of us because I can still make taco salad for me and for Peter. And then for the girls, they can have handheld tacos. You know, whenever I'm making a protein and a vegetable, that's typically a protein, a vegetable, and a fat. That goes to everybody. It's the carb. It's the, you know, I don't typically make rice <laughs> or potatoes, but if I were to make a carb or if they wanted to have a carb, then that would be made as, as a side or an extra for them. Um, and then I don't have to be making a, a completely other meal for them. Um, you know, when I make a casserole, it is a keto casserole. Um, you know, there's obviously no noodles in it and there's no um, uh, thickeners in it, any sort of flour or any sort of stuff like that. But most of the casseroles that I make can be made without those things anyways. You know, like a, if I make a quiche, I make it with an almond flour crust and they can't tell the difference. Right. Yeah, they can't tell and the by difference. by the way, if, if they don't want it, they can, first of all, go make themselves something else after dinner. They can't get up from the table and decide that they're revolting. But after dinner, they can go make something else and they can go clean it up. Right. <laughs> I, I love that you say that because I totally agree because so many moms come to me and they're like, I'm so sick and tired of cooking meals separate for myself, my husband, my kids. I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, what does a meal look like? It's a protein, a vegetable, a fat. And then if you're eating just regular 
standard American diet, then you also add a carb or whatever, you know, people normally eat. So all you have to do is make a side of a carb that they like and just add it like, oh, my family doesn't like keto food. What is keto food? Yeah, Protein, vegetable, <laughs> and fat. Like, it just blows my mind. Like, what, what keto food are you making over here that they're like, oh my God, this tastes so keto. I can't eat it. It's so funny because we have a joke. I have two small girls and uh, I make, I cook keto too for our family, but they're, they're more of like chicken nuggets and waffles. I'm still trying to like adjust their palate. They're very young. So it's funny because my husband always tells him like, do you like, if I make something keto, he'll have him taste it. And like, do you like it? It's keto. And my oldest daughter was like, Oh, it's keto. No, I don't like it. Uh, it's we, just we, need to get him, we need to get him on track with not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. Cause like, Oh, that's keto. That's mommy's keto. But no, he eats, he's been like from paleo. So he was, he was never really into the high carb anyway, but mm. uh, it's just funny to me. But I look at it and I'm like, yeah, there's no reason to be cooking all these meals. Like, how do you just make it work that they could still have the food that they want, especially when they're younger, when they're older then yeah, go ahead and make your own food, you know, and clean that up also. But when they're younger, it's like, well, how do you still get, you know, how do you, how did you, when they were younger, how did you figure out like what they like to eat and then make that? and then like tweak it. So it's like keto, but then they still enjoy it. How did you figure that out? So this is another huge part of it. And that is you have to get everyone invested and involved in food. We all eat to, you know, throughout the day, you know, they have hunger pains too. So get them involved. What do they like to eat? Let's, you know, you start with, okay, do you like Italian food? Do you like um, Asian food? Do you like American food? Okay, let's start from there. Okay, do, do, and as I'm, so what happens is, is that I look at like my week and the kids' schedules. I mean, obviously now everybody is on lockdown and we're not really doing anything, but I know that there's a lot of moms that are coming and going, practices and school plays and carpool. And so, I just like to get a general feel for what everybody is doing for the week. And if I know that so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so are going to be out Tuesday night and we're going to be on the run, then I need to prepare for that on Monday. And I might make something on Monday night that we can have as leftovers on Tuesday night. So that's the first thing is so sort of in general, where's everybody going to be? What is everybody's schedule? Then the next thing is, what does everybody feel like eating that we can all sort of agree on? It might just be, okay, everybody agrees on chicken. Okay, great. Let's take that track. Let's go from there. Okay, so we know everybody wants to have chicken or everybody wants to have pizza or everybody wants to have whatever. I mean, obviously, I, I'm not going to ever agree to, yeah, the whole family's going to eat chicken nuggets from a box for dinner. I'm never going to agree to that. But if we can all come and get involved, because cooking meals is not just a solitary event. There is the buying of the food. There is the bringing it home and putting it away. There is the actual preparing it. But then there's the cleanup of it. So they need to be involved, not just in 
you know, what do I feel like eating? But if they're helping, I do all the cooking in my house. My daughter does all of the putting of the groceries away and emptying the dishwasher. I hate emptying the dishwasher and that is her job. My boyfriend, Peter, he does the dishes, I would say 70 to 80% of the time. He doesn't have to buy the food. He doesn't have to cook the food. He just gets to eat it and then he cleans up the dishes for it. So when you get everybody involved, why is it one person's job? Right. Why is that? It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Because why do they, why do you get to make it and they get to poke holes in everything that you make? Well, right. if this is what you felt like eating, then this is what we're going to have. Right. It's assigning tasks to make it easier on yourself, but then have everybody be involved so they feel like, well, I contributed to this. Like, that's what I say. Like, get your kids involved in prepping or give them a task. Or it's like eating is like a family event. So, as you say that, can you talk to me about your meal planning routine for the week? Like, how do you plan ahead? I have sort of a general plan for the month, and then it gets pared down to the general plan for the week. And then I shop the fridge, I shop the freezer, I see what I have, I see when. So it's a constant rotation and management. And I like to equate it to when people um, have really expensive shoes or have really a beautiful closet filled with beautiful clothes, they take care of them and hopefully they organize them in a certain way. And when things are old and used, they get rid of them. That's how I like to think about my fridge. I organize it. I'm not, I'm not OCD about it and I'm not um, super, super organized or clean in any, you know, like I'm not this freak about it, but I just, I'm constantly rotating these things. The, the fridge and freezer space is, is incredibly valuable to me. And I, I want to be able to see what I have in there and I want to be able to use it all. Um, I also use a, a meat delivery service called Butcher Box. Yeah, um, I, love Butcher I, Box. Love, I love that. I, I don't use it all the time, but I know, especially when this pandemic came down and the stay in place orders, I knew that I had a huge box of frozen high quality meats that were coming to my door. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I was never really afraid of running out of meats. Um, however, when I'm at the supermarket, if ground beef is on sale or you know hormone-free chicken is on sale, then I will, I will buy a little bit extra. I'm on a budget too. I'm, I'm a single mom. I have two kids in college or one's about to go off to college. So, um, you know, I have to, I don't have an unlimited budget to, to use. So I, I do what I can, you know, I buy in bulk. Um, I also have a very small kitchen. I mean, if they watch my show, I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but every Monday night I do a live show on YouTube and on Facebook where you can see me in real time cooking real food from a real kitchen. This is not a studio set. This is a 1954 kitchen that my grandfather built. This is the house that my mom grew up in. And I, I lovingly have the tiniest oven known to man. And that sturdy little sucker, I tell you, it can crank out some awesome meals, but there's nothing fancy about it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you just make, make these things work for you. So do you go grocery shopping weekly? Do you go like when you 
reuse all your kitchen or your refrigerator stuff? Like, what does that look like? I know you say you, you have the month overview, but then how does the weekly go as far as grocery shopping? It's a great point. Um, I have a little bit of a problem because I'm one of those freak people that actually really enjoys grocery shopping. And if I could, I would go every single day um, because I love it that much. And I, I have to hold myself back because I could say, oh, I need cilantro. And then I walk out of the store with like 10 bags of right. stuff. Because it's like a creative thing for me. Mm -hmm. But before the pandemic, before the stay in place measures, I was probably going to the supermarket about once a week. Okay. About once a week. Um, now I go probably about every 10 days to two weeks. And I really like to, to stretch that out. And, and this sort of goes back into another point that I wanted to make. And that is that not every meal has to be an epic event, you know, it doesn't, it can be a mishmash of leftovers and, and that is okay. It doesn't have to be this fancy, epic, well pulled together thing. If we have, if, if it's not time for me to go to the supermarket or, you know, like a lot of your listeners, you either run out of time or you don't feel like it, you can pull together a pretty wonderful spread that and make it fun where it could be you know some leftover deli meats you have some you know i don't know about you but i always have eggs in my fridge i could mm -hmm. you know make a um a, a, a batch of egg salad or i could make deviled eggs um pull out some pantry items i've got you know whether it's pickles or olives yeah like a charcuterie eggs. board type of thing right. and not every yeah. meal has to be super super epic so at this point in my, in our lives, I go to the supermarket about every two weeks, um, maybe a little bit more just for the produce. You know, if I run out of lettuce or, or, um, you know, some sort of a vegetable, then I will go. Um, but if everybody feels like eating broccoli tonight and I have only green beans, sorry guys, we're having green beans tonight. We're going to get broccoli the next time I'm at the supermarket and we're going to put that on the list. So, um, you know, there's, there's part of it where you want to make what they want to eat, but the other part is you got to, make what you already have in the refrigerator. I know. Cause you don't want to be wasting food, especially nowadays and produce right. and it could get expensive. So the last thing you want to do is like throw it away because your kids want broccoli instead of green beans. It's like, suck it up. Just eat the green beans. <laughs> Those yeah. are and awesome. By the way, they're not going to starve. If right. they don't eat yeah. green beans or if you don't have broccoli yeah. and they refuse to eat green beans, or whatever, say, all right, well, then you're not getting a vegetable tonight and right. tomorrow night you will. And, and there's, there's that part where you have to feel like, you know, you're not a bad mom because your kids didn't eat vegetables tonight. They, yeah. they're not, I mean, they're not going to be malnourished by skipping the vegetable for one night. Yeah. My kids don't ever, ever eat vegetables. Uh -oh. Still a struggle. I, I always offer, but they're just, they're at like two and four. So uh. trying to get them to eat vegetables is like pulling teeth, but yeah. I love that. I think what I'm really getting from this conversation is like for us not to be so hard on ourselves and yes. think that we have to be Betty Crocker, please everybody have these Bon Appetit meals every night and like accommodate everybody's flavor profiles and desires and all the things. It's like, 
keep it simple, use what you have, buy in bulk, uh, buy what's on sale, just make it work and repurpose things, which is awesome. So tell us about your cooking show. Tell us a little bit about your blog. What kind of recipes do you have on there? And you also like, I hear that there's a cookbook coming up. So tell us a little bit about that and who's that for and all your site details. Yes. So, um, the web the website, the Kelly kitchen was born because I would be creating these meals and I like to call them my staples. These are things that um, I have sort of nailed. I, I made them three to five times and they become a winner in, in our rotation of our, of our meals. And that's another thing. You got to find your staples and then rotate. Um, but when I found those keto-friendly, low-carb meals that we all loved, I wanted to share them with everybody, whether it was a casserole, a pizza, um, a dessert, a low-carb dessert, or a side dish. Um, I wanted to be able to share those with people. People would ask all the time, um, well, you know, how did you satisfy that craving? Or how did you um, use, you know, what did you use almond flour for? Or, you know, how did you create? So that's how the website started is that I just started creating all of these keto-friendly, low-carb, gluten-free meals that were winners in our house. Um, and from there, I started taking pictures of those things. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, the pictures um, I would constantly say, does this look actually appetizing? Does it look like dog food? Right. And we so, all start there, girl. I mean, yeah. nobody just starts a food blog and becomes a professional food photographer. Right. When I look back at my pictures, I'm like, oh my God, that's terrible. Yeah. But you know, well, how we grow. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, Pinterest, when you have these amazing pictures and then yours doesn't turn out to look like what is there, what these people, what, what our listeners need to understand is that there is a professional camera and there is lighting and there is editing. Yeah, and a lot of time. A lot of time that goes into that. So I would start taking pictures of stuff and then it just became this, um, this goal of trying to share these wonderful meals that I had perfected for us. And I figured other people would find them them useful in in their repertoire so it just it grew from there and all of a sudden i had um several girlfriends and especially my sister that were like well if i could just see you making all of it and i was like wow my tiny little kitchen you know it's not you know a studio set and it, i don't have all of you know in the beginning i was dropping stuff all the time my cameras were flopping over i was losing connection and i just said you know what it doesn't have to be perfect i'm just gonna push play and let what happens happen so that people yeah. can get a view of what it looks like in a real kitchen the frenetic the fr frenetic pace that i have or sometimes i'm like oh shoot i forgot this, uh, I, this you're human. Called, ah, right. spoiler alert. You're this. human. <laughs> what are we going to, you know, like if something called for fresh parsley, I'd be like, well, all I have is the dried stuff. Or, you know, if, yeah. if something called for chicken stock, it's like, well, you can use bullion, you can use, you know, kettle and fire stock, you can make your own, you know, do and and to be able to show people in real time, 
every Monday night. I'm on at 6.15 Pacific time. I go live and I make something for the show that we are going to be eating for dinner that night. So and are these recipes that are on your blog already? Are they new recipes? Are they mixed? It's a mix because um, I, you know, I still have a full-time job that's on top of all of this. So, oh, wow. Jeez, yeah. Girl. So, yeah. So it's, 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 it's sometimes I don't actually get the recipes up on the website yet. Um, you know, some people get a little upset with me because they're, the recipe's not there. Sometimes it's in the works, mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, I'm making this now for the second time. The first time it was really good, but I wanted to make a few tweaks on it. So we're going to make it again. You can see how I make it. And when I finally perfect it, it will go up on the website. Sometimes I, I make other food bloggers, um, that do keto and low carb. Sometimes they make their recipes so I can, you know, to try it out and people can see different options or how you use some of these ingredients that are not traditional, you know, mm -hmm. xanthan gum. I was about and, to say, that's what first thing that came to mind, xanthan gum. That's like the most trickiest for people. Cause if you do yeah. too much, it's like really clumpy and like almost like a gel. You have to be very <laughs> careful. <laughs> yes. So there's, you know, so, so people can see, and, and there's also products that, you know, are coming to the market now that are new and funky and different. And so companies will send those products to me for me to try out. And so I'm trying them in real time so that people can see, you know, there's a new sweetener out, by the way, it's called Pure Cane and it's made from real sugar, um, but they ferment it differently and it's quite expensive, but I have some, I'm trying it out. And by the time I perfect a few recipes, maybe the price will come down. You can get it on Amazon now if you wanted to. It's about $18 for a pound Holy and a half. Crap. So it's very expensive, but eventually it will come down in price when people know how to use it. It's readily available. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that's what I also show on my show on, on Monday night. So that's on Facebook awesome. and YouTube. Okay. Um, and I try to, you know, get as many recipes and pictures and, and share as, as much as, as possible. And what about your uh, cookbook? What's so I, yeah. for that? So again, it's, uh, you know, it's a labor of love and um, I'm working with a publisher right now. We're in the middle of editing. It's about, I would say 40% finished. Um, and it just, you know, it all just takes time. And, you know, for me to sit down and write 50,000 words about, keto, low carb in my story. Um, you know, I have it in me and I have, I'm sort of massaging that 50,000 words right now. Um, but it's, it, it is all in the process. I'm hoping, I was hoping by summer to have it out by about July. It looks like I'm going to be pushed out. And so I'm, I'm kind of just saying in 2020, that cookbook will be published and it'll be available on amazon.com and, um, and on my website as well. Awesome. So we will leave all of those links in the show notes. I'm really curious about your live cooking show. I think I'm going to check that out because I loved watching live cooking shows. Like I used to be obsessed with watching it all the time on TV. And now I just like don't have time to do that, but I love watching like other people make keto recipes and see what they're doing and stuff. So I want to thank you so much for coming on. I think that our moms are going to get a lot of great tips about meal prepping and making keto work and like 
just relieve all of the stress that they might have right now thinking of trying to make it perfect and pleasing everybody. So I want to thank you for sharing your tips and coming on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast. If you're looking for free resources to get you started on your weight loss journey, go to www.bsbtribe.com forward slash resources. If you're ready to take your weight loss to another level and work with me personally, I invite you to join the BSB Tribe waitlist. Spots are limited in this exclusive online community, but if you join the waitlist, you'll be the first to know when doors open up again. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.